Hi, this is Alex Burens Dahan, and you're listening to Strows Across the Globe. Hi everyone and welcome to episode 9 of Strows Across the Globe, the podcast presenting an international view on the Houston Astros, brought to you in association with Apollo, all Houston, all original, and very much proud to be part of the Apollo Podcast Network as you just heard. I'm your host George Martin, who you may know predominantly as at AstrosFansUK on Twitter and similarly on other platforms. As always, I am delighted to have another great guest on the show today for you, one whom I imagine you may not have heard from before. Before we get to that, however, I was planning to say in the intro today that it's great to see our Astros back out on the field. However, after the stunning news that the ring finger of Framber Valdez fractured on his pitching hand in only the second game of spring training, which is believed will likely require surgery that could wipe out his season, plus the news that as many as eight of our pitchers have been sidelined for unspecified reasons that most likely means COVID-19 exposure, at best, it seems like a case of being careful what you wish for. Gutting news for Framber Valdez in particular after a breakout 2020 year for him when it seemed like physically and psychologically he was in full control of his powers. I wish him a speedy recovery as I'm sure you all do as well. The Viper shall return. Back onto today's episode, my guest is someone who has given us fans the visual backdrop and immortalization of the most successful period in the entire history of the Houston Astros, Alex Behrens Dehan. He worked for the Astros for six years until very recently as the team photographer, delivering the visuals for memorable postseason moments which are carved in stone in the minds of Astros fans. With no disrespect to Karen Warren of the Houston Chronicle, another truly talented photographer that has also taken thousands of wonderful Astros photos in recent times, Alex Behrens Dehan's work has defined and shaped our view on this era. We discuss how he made it to this role for the Astros from his beginnings in Sydney, Australia, and the profile of baseball over there down under, before we zero in on what his daily routine as the Astros team photographer looked like. We take a fascinating look at the demands of such an unpredictable, hugely challenging, and relentlessly demanding live position, followed by a look at the starkly altered demands of working under the COVID-decimated 2020 season conditions, and then looking back at his very favourite shots from his time with the Astros, and even a breakdown on what lenses he likes to use, and his creative approach to finding the best shots day in day out i love hearing your positive feedback for strows across the globe after each show it really does drive me so please make sure you subscribe rate and review the show on the podcast platform to which you listen to it if you're enjoying this which i very much hope you are please spread that word right it's time now for my conversation with the very talented alex burns dehan and an eye-opening look at one of the most important jobs for a major league baseball club yet sadly one of the lesser heralded i certainly learned a lot from alex and i hope you find it just as insightful Okay, it gives me great pleasure to be able to bring you another fantastic Astro-centric guest on the show today. Whilst you may not necessarily be familiar with his name, if you're an Astros fan, you will absolutely 100% be familiar with his work. After six outstanding years as the team photographer for the Houston Astros, I am, of course, talking about the supremely talented Mr. Alex Behrens Dehan. Thank you so much for taking the time to join me on the show. Firstly, I hope I pronounced your name right. And secondly, how are you? Yeah, no, thanks. Thanks for having me. And that's I was going to say that you nailed my name. Not many cool. people can do that. Yeah, Good. I'm, Good. I'm doing fun. great. Excellent. Um, you're in Houston at the moment? Yes, I'm in Houston. How are you guys doing after that craziness with the power outages and the ice storm? And, and everything? Yeah, that was that was pretty, 
pretty wild. I definitely didn't expect that the magnitude of that going into it. Um, we had a couple of days where we didn't have any power, but we, we got lucky. It wasn't anything. It was, it was definitely survivable for us. Um, but it's, yeah, no power, no water is forces you to get creative with how you live. I mean, it's pretty scary stuff. I mean, you see some of the stories coming out with families. I mean, even thinking of Julia Morales, I mean, looking at her with her young child that she's obviously had recently. I mean, I have a son who's, who's five and I, I just can't even imagine what I'd be doing in, in that situation. So I, my heart goes out to everyone in Houston who was affected and also to the, the wider areas across Texas that were affected in general. I mean, a, a terrible situation. I don't want to focus on it too long, but yeah, I'm glad to hear that you're not too badly affected now by that. Excellent. We'll kind of look at your time as the team photographer for the Astros and sort of delve into what that was like. I mean, I had Kevin Goldstein on the show last week, who was also recently of the Astros for eight years. And he's recently gone back to fan graphs. And one of his kind of reasons for going back to there was to sort of give what he called how the sausage is made type columns. And that's what I like to do on this show. I like to get different people from all across the kind of Astro spectrum, whether it's players, whether it's broadcasters, whether it's personnel coordinators or photographers, everyone. I really like to sort of see how it works, what the kind of routine involved are and what the different slices of life in connection with the Astros are before we delve into that what are your plans going forward I mean what are you looking to do next yeah I mean my my first thing I'm, I'm just looking for for a little bit of a recovery and a break you know uh, six years in baseball um, anybody in there knows um, there's there's no off season you know one one season goes straight into the next and especially in the creative industry the creative side of things you're always thinking about what happens next. You know, you get done with spring training, you're like, all right, what's postseason looking like? You get done with postseason, you're like, all right, we got a new campaign coming up. Um, what do I have to do for spring training? So it's just this cycle. Um, and I mean, my my first first and foremost, I'm just trying to relax, recover, take some time for myself. Um, and yeah, I, I you know, I'm, I'm definitely sticking close to the Astros organization. I'm organization. I'm staying in the sports industry. Um, I'm just doing it you know, as a freelancer, which I'm, ex I'm extremely excited to do, uh, do it differently, do it by myself. Um, but, you know, that being said, I'll, I'll definitely miss all the people there and um, miss being a part of that organization. Um, and, and, and what you said about kind of figuring out how the sausage is made, I, I really think, I think that's an interesting way of doing it because um, my time with the Astros, I really realized how much it does take to put on that show and, and how hard everybody works. Um, and, you know, the team that it creates is is pretty special. So super, super interesting. Yeah, I think a richly deserved break as far as you're concerned now, because I mean, yeah, I can imagine it's a punishing schedule. Let's go back to when you first got the job. How did the role come about? Because you're originally yeah. from Sydney in Australia. So uh, mm -hmm. I'm fascinated to know how that sort of opportunity arose. Yeah, so way, way back, I started my, my original degree in um, university was it was just a general degree. It was a combination of environmental sciences, criminology, French, and development studies. Wow. So I did like a year and a half of that. And I was like, where is this taking me? Uh, like, I, I didn't really know. So I kind of went on a whim and I, and I flipped to a photomedia degree. And that was kind of, I, I loved it. I learned a lot. Um, but it was very, you know, um, fine arts based and and i found that it was um not not exactly my style so um i mean fast forward through all of that i came out of college with a degree in photo media um 
And I kind of looked at myself. I was like, what do I like? I like photography. What do I like? I like sports. Um, how do I mix those two together? So I tried for a bit in, in Sydney, but the market is nowhere near what it is over America, in, over here in America. So basically said, you know what, let's try going to America. I started off in New York. Um, the idea behind New York was that there are two teams for everything and thousands of minor league teams. And it just seemed, it, you know, from being back home, it seemed like the sports mecca. So I figured I'd give it a shot there. Um, I was over there. I was bartending to kind of make fans meet and um, doing whatever I could, wherever I reach out to minor league teams. I probably sent out, you know, 150 to 200 resumes, uh, teamwork online applications. And as it had it, the people who would let me shoot and, and would allow me to work for them and, and shadow people, they, it, it all kind of ended up funneling into baseball. Um, so I got a baseball portfolio. Um, and then again, I, I kept applying and, and there was an internship with the Astros that opened up and it was actually under the PR team. Um, so I, you know, came in in that role. Um, you know, I, I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for the, the people who hired me and, and that group. Um, Dina Propus has, has been amazing through all of this and she's kind of the reason it all started. Um, and then, yeah, the rest is kind of history. I started off as an intern, um, turned into like a photo coordinator, then ended up team photographer and then, you know, ended up where I am today. Where I, yeah. So it's, and it, you know, it's, it's been a wild ride. I, I tell people all the time, like zero, I don't know how I got here. It was, you know, right place, right time, right people, um, spot of luck, but extremely lucky. That's a fascinating journey. And I was going to ask when you were in Sydney, did you have any experience with baseball whatsoever or when you came to America, that was your first taste of it? Um, a little bit. I remember watching, I think it was li or listening on like the app because we didn't have it. I was, I was actually a tennis coach at the time and I was ah. doing a tennis, tennis camp mm -hmm. watching and monitoring, like um, supervising a bunch of kids playing a tournament. And I remember watching on the MLB app, I think it was the 2005 World Series or no, whatever, whatever it was, it was the Rangers and the Cardinals. I think that, that was World 2011. I don't, yeah, I don't know. I don't, I don't know much outside of the aspect. <laughs> But yeah, we were watching that on the MLB TV app and we were watching like as each play came in um, without any um, screen or anything, just watching the stats. And, and that was kind of my first introduction to it. But, you know, I'd never been to a game, never seen a stadium. Um, you know, the closest I got was cricket. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, does baseball have much of a, a profile in Australia? Because as well as being at Astros Fans UK on um, Twitter and other social media platforms, I'm also part of a group called uh, MLB UK Community, which is also looking to raise the profile of baseball in the UK. And we've always got our eye on other countries. And I know that in, I think it was 2014, they held a major league game. At, I think it was the SEG. Uh, they, yeah. they, they had a, yeah. a game there. What is the level of interest like in Australia? It's growing. It's definitely growing. Um, you know, it's always the, the major sports are always going to be, you know, rugby, cricket, AFL, but yeah. um, it's there, there's a league down there. I don't think the league is anything massive, but you know, there's always, there's followings of the Yankees and the Dodgers as major brands in the sports community. And, you know, it, it does, um, it seems like it's picking up my, my dad wears a lot of Astros gear because I give him all the free stuff that I can get. Um, love to hear and, it, love and to hear it. 
Yeah, and, and he says he he lives right near Bondi Beach and he gets a lot, you know, like probably two or three times a week he has people calling out his shirts and his hats. So which is very surprising to me, but it's it's also super cool. I always used to tell our old social media manager he needs to market to Australia because if you can get as um you know, as the rockets are kind of, a, you know, the rockets are massive in, in China and, and mm. you have the same sort of thing with the Yankees or major brands. If you can uh, lock in the Astros as an Australian team, um, you got the whole country following you. I think that's, that's you nailed it. You need that campaign. Absolutely. You, you nailed it. And I, I think I've been trying to bang that drum for the Astros in terms of the UK uh, and trying to get that sort of action here i know that the club is very focused on the latin and the hispanic market which makes sense because it's nearby and obviously they have mm-hmm. a huge following there but I, I think personally this is my opinion i think that the club missed a trick on the back of 2017 not trying to broaden that that scope and i hope that that door hasn't closed i love that idea honestly the more that the astros have a presence in other countries the better part of what i'm doing is to try and connect all astros fans across the globe i mean obviously the name of the show is Astros across the globe and i love to hear that sentiment from you as well because i think uh, more people recognize that the better moving on slightly to, towards your time as as the photographer for the astros what will you remember most from your years doing the job what's the sort of overriding sentiment and, and emotion that you get from it yeah it's um i mean i i had a pretty special time there like all the playoffs, the World Series, so many interesting events, opening days, all-star game. But it's it's consistently, it's the people that I do it with. Um, it's the crew that I get to work with. It's the, you know, the people that I got to meet along the way. That, that's been the best thing about the job. And it's not just the people within the Astros. It's the other industry photographers. It's other teams. It's other team photographers. It's, it's, um, it's just an amazing community. And, and that's definitely you know, what I will always cherish, um, doing, and you know, what's, what's better than doing, um, these cool things that I got to do, um, with some of the people you care about the most. Like I, I got to, you know, I got to, we got to travel with, you know, I've traveled with room, some of my roommates who have turned into my best friends, um, who have got to work side by side at Yankee stadium and Mexico and all this sort of stuff. Yeah. It's, it's definitely that stuff that, I get the biggest kick out of. I was going to say, yeah, I'm fascinated to hear about that. So there's a full-on sort of community of photographers amongst all the major league teams and, and you kind of had the chance to, to kind of enjoy the experience with each other whilst doing such a high-pressure job. It, it, how, how did that work? Sort yeah, of? yeah, absolutely. I mean, I mean, every, every, every time I run into a new one or a new, or a new, um, team photographer that I haven't met or an old one like it's there's always a connection based on what you do because it is such a unique job and it is so demanding and there are so many nuances and things to figure out that you immediately click and it doesn't matter that you're on opposing teams like it's it's almost like it it sucks getting kicked out by you know know, of a playoff game or losing a game but there's something to it that um yeah there's, there's always this great rival great rivalry but also really strong friendship. So what did the job actually look like on a day-to-day basis? Run me through, if you say you've got a home game, Minute Maid Park is a night game, it's an evening. What time are you get into the ballpark? How are you setting up? What's, what's it look like? Yeah, I mean, every every game is, is definitely different. It depends on what happened the day before. It's, it depends on what's happening the day, you know, 
the game after. Um, there's always, you know, before a game, there's probably content to make. There's probably photos to archive, um, other events, whether it be community events or product shoots or anything like that. But um, game day typically starts shooting BP and BP is one of those things where it's like every single one of them is exactly the same, um, which is boring, but also, you know, you have to take that as a way to um, be able to, you know, I, I took that as a way to try to flex my creativity and learn and do new things and, you know, shoot, yes, shoot today's in a different way that I shot yesterday's to a different way that I'll shoot tomorrow, you know, and you no, know, yeah, it's repetitive, but it's, um, it's definitely uh, an interesting way to um, keep your brain challenged. Um, so yeah, BP, um, you know, we'll go out, go up to press. And this is all, by the way, this is very different during COVID season last year. That was a whole different beast. Yeah. I'll get but, to that. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. A regular season would go up and eat, um, hang out with, again, this, this crew that I've become really good friends with. It's the other, t- it's the other photographers that I have on my team. It's the video crew. It's a social crew. Um, and yeah, then roll, roll straight into a game and what we do during the game depends on what's happening, whether it's milestones or whether there's campaigns we need to shoot for, or if there's interesting light, I'll do something different. Um, I definitely say on a game to game basis, I would never try to be in the same place back to back because otherwise you kind of get in this loophole of doing the same thing and your shots look the same and, so again, I mean, the name of the game, BP, whether it's BP or during the game, it's, it's keep it fresh and keep the Astros relevant. And I think during the game, it's, it's kind of nonstop because the goal is to create a real-time um, feed to the Astros universe, essentially. So what we would do was, um, I mean, my goal was to emulate what someone could do with an iPhone, but with professional photography so it's take the photo ingest it into a computer edit it real quick and then send it out to social media so the goal you know when i was doing it by myself you could get a photo out in you know two to four minutes and then when we really want to flex we have another protocol where we can i can get the photo after it's shot whether it's you know say a flyover or a walk off i can get that to the social creative team and um they can get it edited to try to get out you know when out to social media from my camera to social media in two minutes wow that's the goal yeah honestly that is i can't tell you how thrilled i'm to hear that it's an arena which i I love hearing different people's takes on and how people go about doing it and i'm trying to not sound like too much of a fanboy but i'm in awe of what you're doing there what you've done there because it's um i don't think people who aren't involved in content creation would necessarily fully appreciate how difficult what you just described is and to deliver consistent quality that's you know there's a lot of pressure involved with that and especially when you multiply that by well at the very least uh, 81 home games but obviously 162 games plus spring training plus postseason plus the other campaigns and um, briefly touching on that actually because uh, your role was was not just obviously team photography it was archive manager as well so how does that work how did you kind of control and assess what was being stored and what was being used how does that work in kind of practice yeah, so there's there's kind of two stages to it. There's current and then there's historical. And the way that I had set it up was current is the two years that you're in. Um, and then historical is everything before that. So um, I honestly, I didn't get through it all because it was such a task. Um, 
but there is a an, an audit at the end of, end of every year from two years back, if that makes sense. So yeah, yeah. right now we'd be auditing 2019 um, to kind of cut back on all of the extra stuff to make the archive more and more succinct for the future. So, you know, when you're in 2060, um, you look back at 2020 and it's not thousands of photos of you know, George Springer at a community event that, yeah. you know, the, I don't know, Gallagher went bankrupt or something. I don't mm -hmm. know, that's just an example. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That is basically, the, I mean, that doesn't mean anything, you know, or, or, or stadium photos where um, the renovations are, are outdated, stuff like that. You know, it, you, you kind of shape it into this thing. The goal was to shape it into this thing where it was as accessible as possible, but also needs to stand the test of time because um, that's one of the things like you need photography to stand the test of time. Um, it is not just current. A huge amount of what we do is current, but it also... You know, it's it's the documentary of the organization and moments um, that are captured. If they're not archived properly, it's very hard to find them. Yeah. So they just disappear into nothingness. Well, I struggle yeah. managing photos from across the years on my iPhone, so <laughs> I'm trying. I'm trying to get myself thinking about how uh, how you managed to do that, um, and it, it's. it's making me sweat just think about it it catches up on you real quick i'll tell you that like i'm the same like my my photo roll has three thousand photos or something in it five thousand eight hundred mm. it's like i said if you don't keep a, a hold on it it's quickly spirals and then like i said it's just lost in the ether they're just floating around these these photos which um there could be some gems in there and, and you just won't find them from what you described you had quite a lot of creative freedom i take it to take it in whichever direction you wanted to is that correct yeah no definitely and, and that was really cool like i was able to experiment i i was able to um you know essentially do what I saw fit to um, create the narrative and make, you know, the goal of everything is to make the Astros look as good as possible. Um, and also, you know, the, the team and, and social media and marketing is, is all about um, keeping people engaged. And my take on that is, is giving people things that they have not seen before. It makes them kind of stop their daily doom scroll and be like, damn, that's it. That's, that's interesting. And then, you know, if it's got an Astros logo on it then fantastic, because that is what marketing is to me. It's um, making someone stop and say, damn, and then they turn into a fan, whether it's of the photography, whether it's of the team colors, whether, whether it's of the players, um, it's how you kind of retain and engage fans to me. I think that's a very good way of summarizing it. And I would wholeheartedly echo that. I think that's an excellent way to look at it. You mentioned COVID season, as in 2020, and uh, the massive changes that naturally entailed as a result of that. What was that like, to, having to suddenly deal with ballparks that were empty, but the same pressures remained and all sorts of other challenges from logistic perspectives? Yeah, yeah. I mean, first off, I went from kind of three photographers to just myself, um, three photographers on my team. So um, it really, it changes the scope of what you're doing. Um, uh, I, I was lucky to have field access. Uh, a lot of other teams didn't do that. Um, but you know, what it does is again, it forces you to get creative and it, it forces you to figure out things that you hadn't thought of before. Like how do I 
keep the empty stands out of the background or it was as minute as like how do I find an angle to get the fluoro uh, the neon orange flags out of the background of the batter's box because that is what takes your eye away from the image like how do you make things um stand out in such an odd environment um so yeah i mean there, there's always you know there was the focus on the, the protocols that was focused on mass that was focused on lack of people um so yeah i mean you, you definitely have to think differently um it was very you know there was there was testing two times a week um that was it wasn't bad it wasn't the nose test it was a it was a spit test but um it's still you know it, it takes getting used to um but yeah i mean shooting around when there's no one in the stands was awkward it was eerie it was not as it was definitely special but it, you know it was it was lacking the energy um but still you know the show goes on so you got to do what you got to do and the grind's still there and i'll definitely say it was nice to have the whole space to myself <laughs> that was yeah. that was honestly the only thing like i love all the photographers that we work with um, but you know, it's when you get bigger and bigger games, um, it is very tight in there. So that was the only benefit. I'll tell you that. No, I can imagine you're one of the lucky few to actually be able to watch these games in, in the flesh last season. I think fans are itching to come back. What was the contrast between say, for example, the, well, the 2017 and 2019 postseasons for the Astros and last year's postseason, which was a great postseason for the Astros. I mean, we had some incredible performances and incredible moments. Obviously, most notably, Correa's walk-off against the, the Rays. But um, that must have been surreal seeing that and not having any kind of reaction. Yeah, no, it was. I mean, to me, like, I guess the way that I describe it is, I've, I, I don't think I've, I've never watched a game. I've worked all these games, but I've never watched an Astros game. So in that respect, I'm always locked in to the action. So to me, it was exactly the same as having no fans there or anything mm. like that. Um, you kind of, you know, it's that, it's that thing where like you get locked in and I don't see anything else going around other than trying to capture what's going on. And I guess the big difference is, yeah, you don't have the fans in the background to make a photograph out of um, and, and to include in there, but you kind of focus in all the energy right in front of you right there. It must be interesting watching these games back, uh, not not last year, but just generally speaking, looking at the previous, particularly the postseasons. Like you said, you're not really able to sort of take the games in like a fan would because you're so naturally, you're so locked into what you're doing. I guess when you've watched the footage back of these crazy nights at Minute Maid where the fans are absolutely going insane, it must be interesting getting a different perspective on that when you're not having to yeah. actually focus on what you're doing. Yeah. Oh, yeah, no doubt. I mean, it's, it's, it's very interesting to go back and watch because there's all this stuff that I didn't see because um, I'm only one person. But mm. uh, one, one thing that I do, you know, I, I think I'm almost, I don't know whether this is just me or other photographers or videographers. I'll have to figure out some sort of poll. But I always, when I see footage of big games and big moments, I look for, I, I think like what photos could be made from these things. Mm. But that's what goes through my head when I rewatch footage. Um, I also look out for the people that I know, whether it's my team or other team photographers or stuff like that. So rewatching the footage is, is a little bit different for me. Um, TBD, if that's normal for photographers or not, but yeah. 
Did you have a favourite spot at Minute Maid, looking back, where you're like, this is where I, I love to take my, well, not my best shots, because I guess a great shot can come from anywhere, depending on the situation, but did you have a favourite spot? Um, I wouldn't say favourite spot. I would say favourite lighting. Like, for yeah. me, it's, it's the lighting that um, uh, makes the biggest difference. Um, a 610 p.m. game um probably around like when is i don't know may yeah when the light coming through the the kind of the, the top of the um i know exactly what you mean yeah men are made uh what do you call it the, the, the window panes um, yeah, it makes it really yeah. unique lighting that you know every time that happens um i kind of freak out and like i'm running around trying to get different stuff and it's funny. Everyone's like, "Oh my god, you have the best light in the MLB." That's not. That's definitely not true. That belongs to probably Colorado. I was gonna but, say the Rockies. I was gonna because I always see those sunset shots, and I think, "Wow!" But yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> but the legit, like the the light that I get that mm. that me and my team would capture was it was like fifteen minutes from like six ten to six twenty five. <laughs> so yeah. Well, um, in a non-COVID season, what would you say that the biggest challenges were as part of the role and how you approached overcoming them? Um, burnout, because it is that's that's the number one killer right there. It's it's staying fresh, staying energized, staying creative. Um, How'd you do it? Eighty-one game. I mean, it's 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 tough. You know, my goal, my time there was to do whatever I can to you know create a schedule for myself, and you know I was lucky enough to. You know, 2019 was the best year I've had there. And I, I had a team of two phenomenal shooters who, um, you know, that was that was where it was at. And, and we were absolutely um, in a phenomenal position. But, you know, how do you do it? It's, it's what I was mentioning before. It's staying creative. It's moving around, not doing the same thing twice, coming up with different goals, coming up with um, new ways of shooting. Um, yeah, keeping yourself, you have to keep yourself engaged um, because it, 81 games is ridiculous. Um, 81 BPs is ridiculous. Yeah, um, yeah I, know, I, I know, like, we all have this conversation, whether it's photo, video, graphics, around the whole industry, everybody goes through it. There's always these doldrums of, like, you know, mid-August. And I think, I think the whole industry goes through it, whether it's the creative or whether, I, know, I mean, the players, it's the front office, you know, it's, there's this weird time between the excitement of opening day and you kind of waiting to get to postseason. Mm. Uh, you have to you have to figure out a way to you know jack your brain up and keep on top of it. Yeah, I think like you're saying, I think the whole having that team that you you can really trust and and sort of lean on would definitely be a help in that respect to sort of not lighten the load, but as in just keep bouncing off each other and keep that freshness going. I think that definitely makes a great deal of sense to me. I'm going to ask a question which it might be quite tricky to answer, but I, I, I'm wondering whether you do have one. I'm going to say, do you have five? five let's just say an arbitrary number five shots from your career as the Astros team photographer which you particularly can remember um above all others and are particularly proud of um I have three off the top of my head yeah that far I away to yeah um there is I mean it's, it's it's a little bit tough without a visual but there's one which was the most recent I mean you mentioned the career walk-off um 
it was a shot that was actually from a remote that was just you know i don't know you've ever if you have any knowledge of camera remotes but it's one of those things where it's like they work probably two percent of the time um either they don't fire or it gets fogged off fogged Mm. up or the battery dies or it's out of focus or anything like that but everything worked for this one shot i was actually trying to do something completely different and for the career walk off um it's just it worked and everything lined up and it's got to be one of my favorite shots that i've ever taken um it's korea kind of pulling up um as he's rounding into home where everybody's waiting there um that's that's got to be it um you know as i think about it i think i have some more um cool there's another one from the 2017 world series where i think it's it's McHugh, gonzalez fisher altuve and one other person sitting in the dining room um, of Dodger Stadium. Um, Love that. It was just like a moment that it was completely candid. Oh, was that the one after, is that after game seven? Yes, yeah. Yeah, I think, yeah. yeah. Marlon's holding a big bottle of gold champagne. Yeah, I know exactly the photo. That is is a phenomenal shot, yeah. Yeah. I mean, what else? What else? I mean, any uh, so many of them in the in the clubhouse, you know, after a big win, trying to, you know, the anxiety of like trying to get to nail the shot when all the champagne's flying, and I don't know what's going on, and I can't <sighs> see the camera, and I'm just shooting and hoping it all works out. Um, yeah, I mean, that's that's what I. No, fair enough. Yeah. That's 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 good. I'm off, uh, off the top of my head. Yeah, I can't imagine how many shots you must have taken over the course of six years. I mean, how many shots, this is just a question I'm just thinking randomly, and I guess it, it depends on the day. How many shots are you taking roughly on average throughout the course of a ball game? I mean, I guess it's difficult to say because you're sort of going to be doing, I'm guessing, sort of bursts of, of shots and it could vary uh, greatly, but roughly on average, how many shots are you taking? Yeah, I mean, a as, as proven, if you kind of have a couple of different stages, a regular season loss is probably like a, b- a bad game, probably like 1,500 photos. From that, you mm. keep 20, depending on what happens, depending yep. on what you need. Um, regular season win could be 3,000 postseason win. Um, say after a clinch, you're talking like uh, I don't know, six to 8,000 from three to four cameras. Because I have two cameras on me and then no two, maybe three remotes around the stadium. And again, like the, the, the battle, you know, the, the, the day kind of is only halfway over when you finish the game because you have to go and look through that and mm. edit, send off and all that sort of stuff. So, yeah. But. No, that, that is fascinating. Uh, yeah, I imagine that the, the pressure kind of restarts as soon as you're finished and sort of scrambling to look through everything and make sure that you're not missing out something that's in- incredible or that you're getting the, the best out of it. I'm not a photography expert in terms of the actual hardware, but there may be people listening who are. What would be your weapon of choice in terms of your main lenses, your main cameras that you use? I'm not going to pretend that I understand what you're going to say, but I'm quite. I'm sure there will be people who would love to know. Yeah, I mean, past six years I've been on Canon. We had 1DX and you kind of have a, a baseline of a wide-angle lens, which is a 16-35, to 35, a mid-range lens, 24-70, to 70. 
um, short zoom, or I guess it's like, it's a telephoto, so 7200 and then a big zoom, which is what you need to um, get the players when they are out in the outfield and, and second base. And that's how you get them all close up. Um, outside of that, there's always fun lenses that you can mess around with. And for anyone who does know anything about primes, always recommend, always roll with the prime. Um, there's just something about them that you can make some really, really pretty stuff with. Uh, 35 prime is one of my favorites. 135 prime too for a little bit closer, but um, they are kind of the ones that I lean on when I'm bored because it forces you, not bored, I would say bored. Mm -hmm. They are the kind of ones I, I lean to when I'm trying to do something different and, and challenge myself because you have to think differently because of how they shoot and, you know, you have something in mind based on what you think, but it's not, it doesn't always execute because, you know, you're dealing with moving targets and, and different scenarios and all that. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, am I right in saying that you'd be, as soon as the ball game is finishing, that you would be onto the, onto the field to be taking shots of the players uh, as they're coming off? Is that right? Yeah. Cool. I mean, that must provide its own set of challenges in itself because you're looking for, right, how do I get to get the right shot of this player? How do I make sure that I'm capturing the right celebration of two or three players are celebrating here, maybe two or three over here? You're trying to get the right shot with the right background. I mean, I... Yeah. I can't, I'm just I'm just in awe of what you have managed to achieve doing that because it is a seriously difficult job and I don't think people necessarily realise that because naturally we're looking at the players, we're looking at other aspects of the broadcasts and presenting, etc. And it's almost like not an unsung hero, but like in you're giving people the vision of seeing these games and like I said, memorialising them and uh, immortalizing them in a way which without that you're basically looking at a newspaper article you're just reading you're reading text and you're not getting any sort of a background and depth to it i think i'm immensely impressed i must stop before i start inflating your ego because i i can't kind of um, emphasize enough how superb the job that you did is yeah. i'm gonna i'm gonna jump in on that real quick we we always yeah. have this joke well we had this running joke that everybody says oh it's easy it's just pressing a button Oh God! Well, I, yeah, a million million miles from that, absolutely. Um, what would your advice be to any young photographers or budding sports photographers out there who are looking to potentially follow in your footsteps and, and trod that path? Um, it's just get out there, shoot as much as you can, talk to as many people as you can, um, experiment as much as you can. Um, one thing that I loved about my role is that um, I could make. 10,000 mistakes and one success and nobody sees the mistakes. You only see the successes. Yeah, that's um, definitely a good thing. Yeah. So, I mean, and to that, like, it's just don't worry about messing up and, you know, I ask people, ask questions and um, you, you can, you know, so much of it is, is kind of figuring out your own creative style and, and messing around with that and, um, doing things that you think look good and, and you know, seeing what the industry is doing, but not copying what the industry is doing, trying to find your own little space in that and um, trying to make your own mark. Um, but yeah, I mean, the biggest thing is keep shooting, try as much as you can want. Um, it's not about, this is one thing that people always ask, like, what gear do I need? It's not about the gear. It's about the eye and the brain behind the camera because um yeah, you got to start somewhere. You don't need a $5,000 camera to take great photos. 
Interesting. I like that. And um, I think that's a, a very inspiring way of, of looking at it because I'm sure that many people, well, many, many people would love to be able to try and learn that trade and be able to follow in the footsteps. Talking about creative angles, I believe it was your shots that were kind of stylized by, was it Joe Smaldoni who did the, um, yeah, yeah. the 2017 postseason? That is yeah. an example for me of a fantastic creative project because you've got two totally different things. You've got the original source material from yourself, his kind of reimagining of it, and you come up with this composite creation, which is just, oh, I still look back on him and I think, well, yeah. that's, uh, no, that's... That was a phenomenal, phenomenal project. And he was my roommate at the time, actually. So oh, wow. fun backstory to that was like the game obviously happened and... Mm until we know who the hero is or what the score, what the score is, what happens in that game, he's not yeah. going to start doing what he's doing. So he picked his photo of the game and he was legitimately up till two, three in the morning, uh, drawing uh, on his iPad, these, these photos and creating these posters that he did for what ended up being 11 wins right yep 11 wins yep. yeah so yeah no i, I love that you, you flagged that because that's a phenomenal project and he absolutely nailed that yeah i think that's definitely something which looking across baseball social media these days i'm always thrilled to see similar type collaborations and uh, thinking outside the box and not just going down well-trodden paths so i think uh yeah definitely yeah. things like that are very much welcome in the game. Starting to wrap up, what would your favourite three Astros moments in your time at the club be? Um, as there's always a moment with the team that is like after a you know a big clinch win, like a crate like the, like the Altuve walk off mm-hmm. in 2019. I have a phenomenal memory of just like getting together with the squad and and getting up to the office and being like, "Holy fuck, did that really just happen?" <laughs> um, it's, it's that sort of stuff. Um, you know, I, I, I'll always remember, you know, after World Series, um, again, it's, it's all centered around the people that I got to do it with. Mm. Um, you know, being on the plane with the trophy and, and a couple of my really good friends was pretty damn special. Um, but yeah, you know, uh, it's, it's, not, it's not one moment. It's, it's looking back at, at what we've achieved and how far, I've come and how far photographies came, which is, is my favorite, you know, collective mm. moment is the reflection. I think, no. I, I, I don't know if that, does that, no, does that, that, pass? Does that pass? Yeah, definitely. definitely. That, that's easily good enough. I totally can picture that as well. I think that Altuve walk-off against the Yankees in the ALCS in 2019 will live forever in the memory of all Astros fans. It was about, must have been about 4.30 a.m. here when it happened and it was just, oh, uh, what a game. Yeah, what a moment and what a player Jose Altuve is. Yeah, I'll save that for another time. But I'm <laughs> a massive admirer of the little boss that he is. Right, let's finish off with: Do you have a funny Astro story or funny story from your career which listeners might enjoy to hear? Something unusual or just whatever you like, really. Something from your time in the Astros. Um, what comes to mind is that it actually comes from that that Altuve moment. Um, mm-hmm. Because usually what happens when you think you're going to clinch and win is um, I'm planning, you know, we're constantly in communication with the graphics team, with the other photographers, with the video team, social team. So I'm there, I'm down in the photo well, like it's packed. We're all like sardines down there. I'm actually standing next to my current roommate, who's a graphic designer, who his role was, I was going to pass off my camera to him when I go run out. 
right? So I'm getting ready. My camera's wrapped up, like, because we're going to go in the clubhouse. Um, and then who was it? It was DJ LeMay, right? Yeah. Tied it, it up, tied yeah. up the game. Yeah, so yeah. that was in the ninth, I think. Mm-hmm. Or whenever that, yeah, it was in the ninth. Yeah, it was ninth, yeah. So we're at that point, like, we're all like, go, go, go. We're going to win this. Action stations, blah, 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 blah. Um, and then that happens. And then we're like, damn, it kind of get deflated. And then, um, you know, we come up to bat and I'm sitting there like, I don't, like, I, I'm, I'm trying to tell my crew what to do. Um, mm. And I basically, I, I said to them, guys, I have no damn clue what's going to go on right now. <laughs> um, I don't know what to do. I don't know what we can do. Um, I don't know what MLB will allow us to do. So just use your best judgment. And then what happened was <laughs> Altuve hit that home run and it was just chaos. And I jumped over the, the photo well barrier and, and ran out there and tried to get all this stuff that I got. Um, you know, my, my guys, Cato and Tucker, are also doing the same thing. And, and, you know, somehow we didn't cross each other's photos, which is phenomenal. And, um, yeah, we, we all kind of broke a couple of rules on our own um, accord. But, you know, at the end of the day, we came out with some really phenomenal stuff that is something that I'm always proud of. It was just one of those moments that was like, I don't know, it was just, again, all with these people that you care about. And it was one of these things where I was like, damn, crazy moment. But how it panned out for me and, and my squad was just very, very unique. And, you know, the energy that I got out of that was pretty good amazing that is an incredible story and absolutely perfect thank you for sharing that with us before we go where can people find you on social media what are your contact details yeah um i mainly just do instagram alex.de.haan that's that's my uh resume that's my that's what i do i'm i'm visual i don't do a lot of tweeting my twitter is pretty much based on uh making fun of my friends taking photos of them because that's, that's, you know what, I didn't, I didn't mention that. That's one mm-hmm. of the favorite parts of my role is taking photos of uh, my coworkers. Oh, cool. And yeah. That's what I share to most. Oh, well, thank you awesome. so much for coming on the show, Alex. Uh, fascinating look into your time as the uh, team photographer for the Astros. I wish you all the very best and the massive success going forward. I think whoever has replaced you for the Astros has a very large set of shoes to fill and we are very lucky to have had the chance to enjoy your work over those years. Thank you for joining me on the show. I appreciate that, man. Hey, I, I really appreciate what you're doing. I think it's, it's definitely uh, it's, it's, it's important to get the word across. And, and I know there's fans in, in Europe. I know there's fans in Australia all across the globe with the Astros and we've got to get the word out. So. Love what you're doing. Keep it up. I appreciate that. Yeah, I certainly will do. Got some exciting things in the pipeline for this season. And uh, yeah, always on the lookout for more Astros fans in the UK and across the entire world. So um, yeah, I've got this Astros global fan map that I'm working on. And uh, yeah, onwards and upwards. Nice. I'm going to add my dad. Please, yeah, let me know and I certainly will do. Definitely. Thanks, okay. Alex. Thanks for coming Bye on the show. Well. Appreciate it. Thank Bye-bye. You. See you, man. Bye. Well, that was a discussion I really enjoyed. I hope I didn't sound like too much of an awestruck fan, but it cannot be overstated how tough it must be to have to be able to deliver such high-quality work on a global stage on a daily basis throughout a Major League Baseball season. Relentless content creation is a demanding ask in the social media era, even for us amateurs, so for Alex Birens de Haan to have absolutely nailed it for six full years is no mean feat. 
The rapid modern day link up he mentioned between the official photography and social media output online was particularly impressive. I especially loved hearing about his approach to baseball photography in that he was constantly looking to change things up so as to stay out of a perceived comfort zone so that he could really push and develop his creative talents in order to keep his work fresh. I also had no idea that he would have been running such a large team and I left this chat with an even higher opinion of his work than before. I sincerely hope that his successor has even half of Alex's talent and drive in covering the Astros in 2021. His work will very much be missed. That's all for episode 9. Please make sure you are following me on Twitter as you will hopefully know that is at AstrosFansUK. Please also follow me on Instagram as UK Astros Fans and on Facebook as George Martin with the Union Jack in Astros colours as the display pick. If you have any Astros across the globe questions you can also email me at AstrosFansUK at gmail.com. Please do additionally make sure you are following Apollo over in Houston, who you can find as at ApolloHOU on Twitter and ApolloHOU on Instagram. All Houston, all original. A huge thank you for listening to Strohs Across the Globe. Please subscribe, rate and review if you enjoy this podcast and don't be shy to let others know too. Just to let you in on a little secret, I have a very special guest indeed already recorded for episode 10, so make sure you're ready for that very soon. I look forward to having you all with me again for that. And remember, wherever you are across the globe... Let's go Strohs.